Hi, I'm Mac. Hi, I'm Abigail. And this is Unsubs. This is the podcast where we recap, rate, and review every single gosh darn episode of the television show Criminal Minds. Today, we are covering Season 1, Episode 17, A Real Rain, which I thought was actually a good title. Um, Unlike this fucking episode, unbelievable that the first New York episode literally sucks. It's so boring. Fuck. Um, Anyways, hope you guys enjoy this episode. Get ready. (laughs) Um... So first, a disclaimer, we are in no way, shape, or form associated with the television show Criminal Minds. We are just really big fans. We just have a lot of opinions. We've got a lot of fucking opinions. Um, And for fact of the day, my fact is that I got my second vaccine shot two days ago. So, so I, you know, I'm good to... Start going out there and like licking people and hugging people and all that good stuff. I'm pretty sure um, Darren Chris tweeted something last March about how he's like the 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 minute this pandemic is over, the first person I see, I am full mouth kissing. Um, <laughs> so my boyfriend and I were like, I guess we're gonna have to find Darren Chris's house stand outside get ready for it (laughs) my fun fact is that uh my favorite bird is the starling variety of bird i don't know anything about starlings so the reason that starlings are here is because there was this one man i don't remember his name who was a very big fan of shakespeare and he was like i want to go to england and i wanted to snatch every variety of bird that uh, Shakespeare has ever mentioned and bring it back to America. So he got a bunch of starlings and he brought them on the plane, but then there was like a plane crash or something. So all of them are got loosed into uh, the US and they are now an invasive species. <laughs> I love starlings. Wow. Okay. Um, so fuck that guy. <laughs> Right? Am I right? Fuck that. No, guy. I love starlings. Okay. Kind of fuck that guy though. Whew. Okay. Uh shall we um go over our rating criteria? Yes. So we rate our episode each episode uh in five different categories, and those are one, the criminal slash serial killer. Two, uh the character development slash character arcs in the episode. Three, uh, forensics and context. Four, script writing. And five, the background characters. And we're in New York City, baby. Finally, after all this time. After all of these long hours. <laughs> after 17 episodes. Um, we, it's raining. Our, our hooded unsub gets into a cab. Or cabbie, Walter Durbin really, really, really hates Larry Brown from the Knicks. 
Mr. Durbin tries multiple times to engage with the unsub who ignores him. And then the cab stops at a remote location and the unsub gets out and shoots and stabs Mr. Durbin to death. And for all of you out there who have not been to New York City, yes, cabbies really do try to get you to talk. And like sometimes you just don't want to talk. Right. Like sometimes you're just trying to like enjoy, but the cabbies want to talk. It's like when you have an overly friendly Uber driver and you're like, bro, please stop. I, I, thanks for the water, but like I, I'm good. So at BAU headquarters in Quantico, Virginia, we learned that this killing has the same signature as two other killings. We learn about Rachel Holman, who was found in her apartment three weeks ago, and Kave Serrani, who was found inside his painting studio two weeks ago. All three victims were blindfolded, shot, and stabbed. The BAU team is just stressed as there seems to be no discernible pattern with these victims. Before we cut to credits, there is a murder photo montage with bad special effects that hurt my brain. (laughs) A lot of quick close-up shots and cuts. Um, On the BAU private jet, we learned that Elle is from New York and that Reed has never been to New York. When Morgan asks Reed why he's never been to New York, Reed is like, we never had an unsub there. Like, girl, we know. We know we've never had an unsub there. We've been fucking waiting, and this is the one we fucking get after all of this time. Such a Uh, letdown. Such a fucking letdown. Um, In New York, in New York City, I should say, we meet Detective Nora Bennett of the NYPD. Fuck NYPD. Sorry, go on. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. It's not the Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Okay, <laughs> okay. Uh the B- <laughs> back to Detective Nora Bennett of the NYPD. Uh the BAU discusses the case with her and her officers. Morgan states that the gunshot suggests that the unsub needs quote a quick and effective means of controlling the situation. This may mean that the unsub has a physical limitation or that he may be small. The blindfold usually means one of two things, that the unsub is unsure whether he's going to kill his victims and wishes to preserve his anonymity, or the blindfold could suggest remorse. So the BAU thinks that their unsub type is an executioner. And the executioner profile would be almost always male, textbook disorganized killers Ah, look we got a disorganized killer as a treat as a treat by our merch um but this unsub is highly intelligent and not disorganized because he brings along a murder kit that's why next the unsub shoots a priest (laughs) (laughs) what a transition (laughs) oh dude please don't edit that out i'm not going to oh Oh, gosh the unsub shoots a priest (laughs) well like what else was i gonna say 
<laughs> this episode fucking sucks. I left this out because like this is just a fucking thing that like always drives me bananas. It's like when the unsub is like mentally ill, the actor's like, what's my choice gonna be? And I talked about this in episode 10 with the fucking chewing of the nails, which just oh drives me crazy. This actor's choice is to have like twitchy fingers, and we learn why. But every time he's walking around, he's got his like arms clamped to his side, and then his fingers are just like twitchy. And I'm like, oh my god! So you see the scene where he comes into this church and he's just got his like twitchy fingers, and this old woman is like, "Are you all right?" No, he's obviously not all right. He's like got twitchy fingers and a hood, and he's coming into this fucking church. Um, but anyways, she was a witness, and she describes him to the BAU. We have a breakthrough in the case, and we learned that the murdered priest went to court last year due to pedophilia but was found not guilty. So this makes the BAU suspect that a factor tying all the victims together might be their criminal records. We learned that Kave Sarani was arrested for vehicular manslaughter, but was tried and found not guilty. Rachel Holman was convicted of cocaine possession and also of administering a fatal dose of heroin to her then boyfriend who died. She was also found not guilty. And Walter Durbin was found not guilty of spousal battery. All three were charged with felonies and found not guilty. Baby, it's time for a new profile. Vigilante. Is this our first vigilante? Yeah. Oh my god. So, uh, vigilante killers are, serial vigilantes are extremely rare. Um, the exaggerated drama of these killings suggests that they are personal. Uh, the vigilante would display a heightened sense of right and wrong. Um, he or someone close to him was likely the victim of a violent crime. Uh, his first killing was possibly against his original attacker. Since his initial killing, he has developed an overblown sense of justice to justify that killing to himself. I wonder, sidebar, I wonder how many vigilante killers are Libras. Oh. Ooh. Since Libras are the sign of, like, justice and fairness. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, so he would shoot his victims to subdue them. He uses a flint knife to provide both an efficient kill and a symbolic retribution. Um, then he would blindfold them. Uh, he might work in and around the criminal justice system, such as like a bailiff or a judge or a lawyer. He is a cog in the machine, overworked and undervalued. He will feed off the public fear and media attention. And then we also learn that from Hotch and Gideon that the unsub might be a cop, but they leave this out of the profile that they share with the police. Yes. So, jumping back into the plot, the unsub's next kill is a cop killer named Sean Cooley, who again was not charged with the killing. Detective Bennett says that some of the fellow officers are saying to just let the unsub go wild and vigilante the place up. L oh also. <laughs> There's always that moment when you're talking about vigilantes where someone's like, well, you know, he's got the right idea. We're going to get into that with my uh, profile deep dive. 
Oh, I'm so excited. Um, Elle also plays uh, the BAU a tape of the NYPD's confidential tip line where members of the public have called in to share their support for the unsub. Mm -hmm. JJ is upset by Lance Wagner, a reporter who keeps releasing stories about the unsub despite her best efforts to stop the media attention. Hotch reads the following from Wagner's article, our most recent article. Someday a real rain will come and wash all the scum off the streets, which is a quote from Taxi Driver. So that tells you everything you need to know about Mr. Wagner. The BAU discusses why the unsub hasn't reached out to the press yet, because this type of unsub, namely a vigilante, would enjoy media involvement and attention. However, Wagner, the reporter, just keeps releasing stories. So the BAU's like, fuck, maybe Wagner is the unsub. So they bring him in for questioning, and he's not the unsub. He just sucks. Then the unsub shoots an undercover cop in Central Park and then turns himself in. Or does he? The man who turned himself in is Will Sykes, and he's just trying to take credit for the murders. The only person he actually killed was the undercover cop. I feel like the last name Sykes is just always like uh, a shady character in media whenever they have that last name. I think that's, I think, but I think that comes from Oliver Twist. Um, and I think that's where that association came from because of the character. Uh, I might be so wrong with this. Um, yeah, Bill Sykes, uh, who is in, uh, he's like the main antagonist in Oliver Twist. <laughs> I just haven't, like, read that for, like, 20 years, so I just have no idea. But I would believe it. I mean, I, the, yeah, I just, I, yeah, it's got a malevolent vibe to it, for sure. It does. Morgan tries to get court transcripts for the cases um, of the murdered individuals to see if a similar personnel at the courthouse worked all of the cases, he realizes that the transcript for the Cabby Walter Durbin's case hasn't been released yet um, because that trial was recent. The court stenographer is actually still working on it. So now the BAU suspects the court stenographer, Marvin Doyle, because it was the same stenographer for all of the same cases. The BAU break into Doyle's apartment. They find that he's soundproofed his home with soundproof foam and tinfoil to, quote, stop the voices. Also, we open this episode seeing him sitting in a chair in an otherwise bare apartment in his underwear um, and, like, wrapping things in tinfoil. So go off, queen. Let's get arts and crafty. Um, (laughs) They learn that Doyle's stressor was his parents being murdered by a robber. They find a box full of flint knives, a worn out, um, I don't even know how to say this, a worn out stenographer keyboard, and boxes upon boxes of untranscribed notes. We learn that all stenographers have their own shorthand that only they can translate, so the BAU is going to take some time to go through all of the cases to find out like which one will be his next target. 
I think that's actually really cool. Yes. And they also, they, someone also mentions that stenographers take their transcripts home at night because they're usually three to six months behind and then they get over time writing them up. And I seriously considered this as a career path, being a court stenographer. Uh, you make good money. Um, and I actually like took a county test that I would have taken other, like two other tests to be a court stenographer. So I took like step one in becoming a court stenographer because I was like, I would enjoy this job. Um, I think I would too. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, I could have been a stenographer, guys. Oh, my aunt is a stenographer. Shout out, Beth. That's awesome. Yeah. Hopefully you don't go crazy and start murdering people. Um, anyways, the BAU realizes that Doyle's next murder will be a person named Ted Elmore. Ted was um, tried for murdering his parents and he claimed self-defense and was let off. Gideon calls Ted Elmore's wife and tells her what's going on. Mr. Elmore walks through the door of his apartment right after his wife gets off the phone with Gideon and Marvin Doyle follows him in. Doyle shoots Mr. Elmore and then holds his wife hostage. Detective Bennett of the NYPD is ready for her SWAT team to go in and shoot Doyle, but Gideon is like, no, let me try to talk to him. And she's like, okay, but if my men get a shot, they're going to take it. So Gideon and Hotch go into the apartment and they try to reason with Doyle. Doyle seems like he might be coming around, but then the SWAT team shoots him. Uh, and suddenly we're listening to Jeff Buckley's Hallelujah. I know, I was losing it. <laughs> like we're supposed to be sad that Doyle is, I, I don't know. I do not know. Um, yeah, so that was a little bit of a shocker. I I also wanted to say that the like bookend quotes for this episode were from W. H. Auden, and I love W. H. Auden's poetry. <laughs> oh, did you actually write that quote in? I didn't, but I just had it in my notes that I really liked W. H. Auden. <laughs> um. Yeah. So that was a bit of a quick recap, but. It was a bad episode. Yeah, I didn't. I did not enjoy the episode. Love seeing New York represented, but not in that way, girl. And also, like, I okay, so I was like, I don't. I really, I'm really tired of Criminal Minds using like schizophrenia and OCD uh, as like the reason that these people are being violent. Like, that's, like, yeah, you know, they're killing all these people because they have OCD and schizophrenia, and I'm really tired of it. <laughs> I don't think that's cool. I, I, It's not what I'm into. Um, so instead of kind of going into that direction for my profile bit on this episode, um, I decided to talk more about the, like, uh, a similarly, like, loosely, in like, I wanted to. I decided to talk about uh, Bernard Hugo uh, or Bernard Hugo Goats, who uh, was a real, uh, not serial killer, but like a real person. That uh, this episode was like loosely. I don't want to say based on, but like inspired by, or like took some aspects of his case and put it into this one. 
Bernard Hugo Goetz was an American man who shot four teenage boys allegedly in self-defense when they attempted to rob him. I'm trying not to let my personal bias get on here, but it's going to be in here. So uh, this became a nationally infamous case due to it raising awareness to the crimes in New York City, as well as getting both a lot of praise and criticism. So... On December 22nd, 1984, Goats was on the subway, and four teenage boys had arrived earlier with screwdrivers with them with the intent to steal money from arcade machines. So he went in, and he sat across from them. They made small talk, and then allegedly the teenagers surrounded him and blocked him off and asked for $5, allegedly panhandling, not demanding it from him. How much was $5 in, like, 1984 money compared to, like, today's money? Because $5, I'm like... (laughs) That's... Even so, that's still not very much. Wait, we have to look up the exact number, because that's that's sending me. Okay, $5... Twelve dollars and eighty six cents. That's still barely anything. Oh my god! Inflation, baby. Um. So instead of being like, "No, man, I don't want to give it to you," he shot them with a revolver that he had. Um. He then had an encounter with the conductor and then jumped off the train tracks and ran. And so then there was, like, apparently he, like, did this whole thing where he got rid of the jacket he was wearing, he rented a car, and he disappeared. Um, Eventually, he turned himself in and went to jail. Uh, And for those who are interested in guns, I know nothing. He used a thirty-eight caliber Smith & Wesson Model thirty-eight revolver. And it doesn't say why he had a revolver with him or on him. Or why he decided shooting them would be the best scenario, but the vic- the known victims were Troy Cantry, who was 19. He was shot at least once through the center of his body. Um, Barry Allen, who was 19, and shot once in the shoulder, and the bullet was removed through his arm. Uh, Daryl Cabby, um, I hope I'm saying that right, 19. Uh, he was shot twice. The first shot missed, and then the second shot hit him on the left, and he was left paraplegic and with brain damage. Wow. Um, and then James Ramser, who was 18, and he was shot in the left side of his body. His arm was hit, and then apparently he later committed suicide from overdose at age 45. Oh, that's awful. Uh, and um, all four of these kids were black, and uh, Bernard was white. Uh, so that's part of where I'm like, "Mm, okay. Um, and also apparently like he did like a two hour, like testimony or like, you know, police recorded his conversation and he was saying that it was self-defense, but he seemed to be very like sincere and like almost happy about the hurt he caused these boys. And apparently there were also a couple like you know bystanders who may have been hit, been hit with like ricocheted bullets but like it doesn't sound like anyone died um but this was really controversial because some people were like oh well he you know he had a right to do that he had a right to defend himself they were gonna mug him and then other people were like no why would you respond to that situation with a gun like that doesn't so that doesn't like that's inappropriate so it was very controversial and there was very 
impassioned perspectives from both sides. I personally am not down with gun violence or using that as like the resort in this sort of situation. But then again, especially like as a white man, I feel like that's incredibly unnecessary. But why I just I feel like if you you go somewhere with a gun, you are inviting situations like this to happen. And this is like, a I guess I'm, I'm very anti firearms of all sorts. So this is coming from our perspective of being anti firearms and guns. Um, but why did he need his gun? Why did he bring it on a subway? You yeah, know? and this is, again, this is just get, scratching the surface of this case. So part of me is tempted to go do more research later and see if I can get more details. But this is what I found. Black people have been shit on by white people for years and years and years. And coming from the perspective of 1984, we like we still don't have racial justice today but i just don't it's all sounds very one-sided to me and i don't know enough about the case or any of like the people in it to like speak eloquently on it but it just Mm -hmm. um yeah so if you listener know more about this that you would like to share with us please let us know yes um do you do you want to rate this episode Oh boy, I guess we should. That's our bit, isn't it? Oh my gosh, it's what we've agreed to do. Um, What do you think about the criminal slash serial killer in this episode? I think it's cool that we have a vigilante killer. I do not like using mental illness to depict killers. Yeah, um, I think that his motivation for doing this made sense, but I just... Mm -hmm. I just didn't like this episode. Me either. Like, I I don't know. I don't know. I can't, like, exactly explain why I didn't like it, but I just didn't like it. It just wasn't very I compelling. Just, I just didn't think it was interesting. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I think... Five. Yeah. Okay. Um. What do you think about the character development slash character arcs? I really enjoyed watching Goobs fail at using chopsticks. Oh, yeah. I didn't even mention that. That was my favorite part of character development. Um, I will say that, like, I skipped that section because they got a little racist. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I didn't get into it too much, but there's a whole scene where the team is in New York City and they're eating at a Chinese restaurant. There are some, like, little racist comments said. Um, that about chopsticks and just, I, I number one, like didn't find it believable for like goobs as a character to not know how to use chopsticks. But like, I guess that's what they did. It's just not, it doesn't do anything. Like they, all they do is like discuss other serial killers and no actual things are solved in it. Uh, I don't know, like five. Sounds good. Okay, um, what about the forensic slash context? I'm just going to say now five, I was not in- interested in. Yeah, it's once again using mental illness in a way that just feels not good. Icky. Yeah. Uh, script writing. Uh, I was bored. Yeah, I just didn't find it interesting. How can you go to New York and like not make a compelling episode? I don't know. I don't know how they did it, but they did it. I'm down with a five. Yeah. 
Um, and we didn't really have any background characters. I mean, we had Detective Bennett, um, but we didn't really like learn anything about her or see her be competent at her job. Yeah. Five? Yeah. 25, po- 25 points! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that, uh, that feels right. That feels mm-hmm. right. Follow us at Unsubs Podcast on all of the social media. You can email us, um, unsubspodcast at gmail.com. Follow me, Mac, uh, at yournewapartment.tumblr.com, which is my adulting blog, and my podcast, Your New Apartment Podcast, which is available on all of your favorite streaming services. Yes, and you can listen to my podcast, uh, Between Stage and Screen, on all of your favorite streaming services, as well as the Instagram page for that, which is Between Stage and Screen Podcast. Also, we have merch. Yes, check out our merch. We've got a spicy vanilla hot t-shirt. Um... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we've got we've got some we've got some nice merch, which is uh, little references to some of the comments we've made throughout the different episodes. But then we also have some more generalized on subs podcast merch, which I personally think looks really cool. I might be biased because I designed some of it, but uh, I think it's really cool. And you can get T-shirts or mugs or bags or totes, journals, pillows, pretty much anything. And it all supports the podcast. Um, So definitely do that and drop us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Yes, please do it.